This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Josh Anderson. Josh has spent his career in IT and most recently the CIO at a mid-sized bank. Welcome to the podcast, Josh. Hey, thanks, Nick. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, you're welcome. So I, I always try to do a little bit of uh, insight um, of, of my guest. And I was looking online on LinkedIn and it said that you were a certified ethical hacker. What does that mean? <laughs> well, well, thanks for the question. Um, so certified ethical hacker, a CEH is, uh, I, I would say, um, along with the CISSP, one of the earlier uh, certifications to, to really ensure that um, you had a, a robust methodology to any kind of penetration testing and, and just security practitioner as a whole. It um, is a little bit more technical and, and a little less academic maybe, but um, it was one of the most uh, interesting and, and I dare say fun um, certifications I've ever taken. Um, very, um, just kind of a very well-rounded test and, and um, a lot of technical questions go along with um, some, some high level things. And uh, I did it a long time ago. I'm not sure if I remember anything on the exam, but uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. So is that technically a, you're a white hat? Is that right? It, uh, it, yes, that was, it, it gave legitimacy to, um, to, to the overall profession. Um, some other things have come along, some testing methodology since then that I think mm-hmm. work quite well, but uh, it was, it was one of the early ones. Wow. That's, that's, that's interesting. Um, you know, what is your experience with when it comes to customer service or customer experience? Thanks. Uh, you know, it's, um, it can be defined in so many ways, but um, I, I started off as, as a 16 uh, year old kid working as a lifeguard and at a golf course. And uh, as you can imagine, in both of those uh, professions, uh, it, it, customer service, customer experience was, was kind of paramount to, to, you know, why people came to you. And so it's always been under the hood and always been a little bit ingrained in what I do. Um, Interestingly enough, I, I got into what I thought technical professions and information security to, to get away from people and to get away from <laughs> the, the customer experience. And, and I think the more time I've spent at it, the more I've realized that's really what it's all about. And, and that, yeah. um, you know, whether your customer, as you define them as an internal employee, someone who's, you know, consuming your services in, in an infrastructure capacity, or they're the customers of, of the business that you're operating it, um, it really is what it's all about. And so uh, my, my attempt to uh, work at a desk all day and not interact with anybody failed miserably, but uh, it, it brought me to uh, some security leadership roles and, and general IT leadership as well. And um, every day I've realized how wrong I was in the first couple of years. <laughs> the, the, the people will always find you. I think that was the, the moral of that, of that answer. It is, and, and it's usually uh, usually when it's good, and, and uh, uh, well, it's usually when it's bad, unfortunately, and sometimes when it's good. But uh, no, that's that's very true, and and uh, great summary. Yeah. So tell me about a time when you focused on uh, the customer service or customer experience. Yeah. So so this this this, this story has highs and lows. Um, you know, okay. I, I most recently I've been a CIO at a a mid-sized bank, and and um, coming into that. 
uh, environment, it, we really needed to build and define a roadmap and um, live by that roadmap and deliver it. Uh, we had some some disparate pieces of our infrastructure and some other things. And really the, the end goal was to have the best products, the best customer experience out there. And, and that was the why. Um, that was the why we went through a lot of things. And um, I'll, you know, the success came in, in a lot of, you know, slow and deliberate work. It was defining what we needed to do, um, you know, what cost savings, what benefits would come from some, some big internal change, and then embracing and committing to some of that change. And, and you know, the whole time we knew that there was going to be an outcome at the end, but the time in the middle would, would kind of stink for customers. And so, for, for me, um, the focus was limiting the change, um, having heavy communication during the times that you were going to do that, and to be very deliberate about kind of an all hands plan in how to deliver that transformational change. Um, we were really proud of some of the things we did, did a, a conversion of our core processor, changed out a large business partner, um, condensed, uh, we, we um, uh, con consolidated or eliminated complexity of about 17 vendors into one in, in one you know, wow. particular case. And so anytime you can introduce some uh, just simplicity and, and uh, eliminate complexity, you're, you're gonna make things better. You're gonna make it better for, for your employees and, and ultimately for, for your customers. Uh, what was interesting about this though, is, is a year later we were getting ready to you know, kind of show the next year of this plan. And um, one of the big traditions was taking our, our annual uh, roadmap and, and sharing it with our board of directors, um, showing them the progress we've made in the, the last year, showing them, you know, what was to come in the next year. And I was going into this very pleased with the team, very proud of the work we'd done. I, I knew the path we were on. And, and um, I dare say I got a bit rattled when uh, one of the directors looked at it and he said, well, I'm a customer and I haven't seen one screen change yet. <laughs> and, you know, it, it really puts you back into that, you know, why are we here? What are we doing? And, and why are we doing all of this? And so, you know, the lesson I took from that was focus very much on that end user, focus on what the use case is, um, focus on what, um, you know, the, what will someone notice? And, and so I think that's one of the toughest things about IT is, is there's work you can do all day and, and no one will ever see it and no one will notice. They might if it breaks. But um, you know, ultimately, uh, you, you have to have that um, that end product in mind. You're known for what people see. You're known for what they interact with. And so, I, I think that's pretty true of, you know, whether it's service, whether it's retail, whether you're bank or, or utility. It's um, it, it's that screen that people see and, and the way that they interact with you or, or that phone call that they have. And so, um, really, to, to come full circle on this, we, we had one more piece, which, which was our online banking product. And mm -hmm. that was in the roadmap for the next year. And so, with, with this lesson in our pocket, um, a, a couple of uh, my team members who I give tremendous, cre tremendous credit to, as we went to kind of validate our decision and what product we were going to use. We were down to two and we had some some contentious dialogue about which one might be better and which way we might go. And, and um, they said, well, let's, you know, rather than showing people or putting someone in a room and having them interact with the product and give feedback, let's bring the two products together head to head and let's show them to some of our fringe users and let's show them to our core, you know, users and, and let's really go out and solicit some feedback. So we put the two products side by side 
took um, very common functions that you, you know, might perform in, in your online banking product and really got into that view of the customer and, and um, understood it as, as they would. And we simply put screens in front of them and said, which one do you like better? And uh, we were shocked at how unanimous the, the decision was and right. it validated the work we'd done all along. But um, what a different um, confidence and mentality and, and just validation to know which one people liked of the two. And, and so I think um, always very important to uh, make sure that, um, that, you know, that, that end screen, that end thing that someone's going to interact with is, is really what you're thinking about all through. And, and um, again, it's easy to get caught up in the, the technical details of something, the configuration, how you're going to network it. But yep. um, ultimately that's not the stuff that, that people notice. Yeah. No, I, I would agree. When it comes to technology, sometimes it's fun to kind of geek out on, on the new and, and fun technology or something that uh, that IT person is specifically excited about. And they're like, hey, let's run with this one. Uh, but at the end of the day, did you ask the question, did the, did the customer ask for this? Um, and, and if the answer is no, then maybe we should transition to something else or, or uh, reprioritize our uh, what's important to the customer. Um, and, and so I, I love how you're saying how you took these 17 applications <clears throat> and reduced the effort for the, for the employee too, because, um, you know, which is simplified and, and standardized your, your technology stack. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, speaking of technology, like what, what, what trends do you see or maybe um, in technology or innovation that you be, that you don't believe gets enough attention Oh, that's a great question. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to cheat and, and maybe give you two here. Um, they're, they're, they're boring. So I'll try to sneak in a second one. The, the first one I, I'd say is authentication architecture. Um, some products have come to market that will fix or, or bolt on, um, you know, having disparate technologies and how you authenticate. But I think one of the simplest things you can do is to have very strong architecture and, and very strong architectural standards for your products and make that sign in experience easier. Um, I can't tell you the number of times I've been on a, a phone with an airline or somebody where they say, hold on, I'm signing into this system. And I just think, well, if I work there, you know, it, it would be different. Um, but if you think about how much time people spend on password resets or, you know, calling to, to you know, just out of confusion of, of what ID to use, um, I think if you get that architecture right, you have happy uh, team members that can create happy customers. And so, you know, that's one of those things that cascades. It's boring stuff, but it's there. Um, the other one is just asking for feedback. Um, I, I had, uh, I can tell you, I've, I've made several people cringe at saying we need to do surveys and we need to solicit feedback, but mm -hmm. there's nothing to me more powerful than, uh, you know, I know Disney always gets um, brought up in examples of, of great service and well, sometimes great service, but nothing like walking around the park and getting that message in the app that says, how are you doing right now? Like, just, just click, you know, tell me how you're feeling right now. And if, you know, we in technology had, um, first of all, we were audacious enough to ask people that question <laughs> and wanted to hear the answer. In, in um, the middle of the experience. In the middle of the experience. That's exactly right. Um, I think that'd be very valuable. So, you know, it's not asking people how it's going when they get that ticket closed um, because, you know, you can be selective about that. And so it's really only one voice, but it's really getting a sense of how things are going. So um, one trend that I'll bring up is just the old kind of management by walking around. Um, I would love to um, walk into other offices, walk into branches and just say, how's it going today? And you get a very different 
um, you get very different feedback from the people that are using your tech all day. And, and so um, it can help you identify systematic problems. And, and um, it's one thing to look at your data, but it's another to just say to somebody, how's it going? Right. No, I think the, the authentication one is, is definitely key. I know that uh, some of the innovative technologies around uh, authentication starts even at, at voice biometrics. Um, and it's actually a higher rate of authentication than it is from your iris or your thumbprint. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's amazing on, on what's next and what's coming down the pipeline. So, um, and I don't, I would see in, in that there's a ton of value of a C-suite, uh, a CIO specifically taking the time and, and listening and saying, hey, what are you guys seeing? You know, not just specifically in the customer service department, but around to the, to the, uh, the banks and the locations saying, what kind of pain points do you guys have? And, and um, you know, maybe the, the three questions you could ask is, you know, what should we start doing? What should we stop doing? Or what should we continue doing? Uh, and I think that um, that would definitely open up a can of worms, but then you could prioritize and, and what's, what's most important to them. Absolutely. And, and um, I, I think the best part of dialogue like that, especially a start, stop, continue is it's very personal. And, um, you know, the, the, your team's going to have the best ideas and, and you get so much innovation from, from those thoughts. So no spot on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when it comes to technology, what, what would some of the best investments that you've ever made? Um, uh, hopefully, you know, investment usually means, means spend. Um, and, and I'll, I'll steer clear of that and just say it's been living by a roadmap. Um, mm -hmm. It's been to come in and build a roadmap. Um, so, so the investment really is the time, the relationship to, to get the right things into that roadmap. But then it's, it's, you know, to just live and die by it. I mean, either you deliver it or you have maybe a, a line of your business that decides to change it. And that has to be a conversation to, to change it as well as, is, you know, hey, we're not going to deliver it or it's going to cost more. But, um, you know, I think to truly feel like you're a part of the business and, and to truly be that business partner and to, to earn that trust, you, you have to have um, uh, that kind of agreed to um, list of, of what's important. And um, I think uh, long gone are the days where IT just would build stuff and, and deploy it. Um, and uh, very much, uh, you know, ahead or having that integrated roadmap and um, having candid conversations between your lines of business, if, if you're lucky enough to manage more than one, to make sure that, you know, you're not competing in, in um, ways that are less than, than productive for the organization as a whole. So I think it drives great dialogue and, and it sets some, some uh, standards for delivery. And um, the last thing I'll add to that is it's very important to have IT be one of those lines of business. So to get, you know, your internal product projects and, and products and the things you need to roll out in a year as part of that to um, get that acknowledgement that, um, you know, we're, we're not, uh, we're not back here in a, a back office or a server room We're we're, uh, you know, right here with you arm in arm and uh, it uh, creates great common ground for, for delivery. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. There's a, a really cool book, um, and I can't remember the author, but the, the book is called Traction, and it talks about are you in the right seat, you're, you're facing the right direction, maybe even rowing in the right, uh, along with the organization, I think it comes back to roadmaps, and then uh, they have stand-up meetings and, and kind of keeping each other accountable, and are you on track or off track, and I, and I love that because then the organization as a whole knows where they're going, and then they break it down per department and say, okay, now here's my role in the overall objective. Um, and, you know, in IT specifically, uh, it'd be very helpful to, to see where they're at and, and how that achieves the business outcome. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I think um, any communication method that's used has to work well. And um, I, I think um, the stand-up meetings are, I don't know, maybe one of the hardest things for fraud people to, uh, to embrace, <laughs> but, but tremendous value. And, and uh, I've recently been in an organization that um, implemented that really across the, you know, across the, the entire organization uh, mm-hmm. to the point where everyone that worked there was in a stand-up meeting daily. And um, it was really um, refreshing to see a technique like that work for more than a, a day or a week and um, to, to really see it be an ingrained part of the culture. And um, it really opened up that communication for, for what the issues are. And um, I think it took some of the, the natural human element to, um, you know, maybe delay something or, or to be overwhelmed or to procrastinate. It, it just leveled all that. And it, made progress be the focus so so very very important and uh that's uh, i'm glad you mentioned that very 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 significant yeah yeah and i think um the roadmap obviously starts at the top and you know transitioning to the next question um speaking of, of kind of a leadership role what is the hardest part of being a cio well this this varies on different days i think um that's the hard part um but yeah. but to try to boil it down i would say you know, for me, it's balancing people. Um, it's balancing some some process focus and the technology element all together. Um, you have to have that mix right. Um, sometimes the mix is different on certain days. It's different on um, you know different um, when the organization's achieving different objectives. Um, maybe periods of you know change, things like that. But um, ultimately it's it's keeping that balance because none of those work without the other two in place mm-hmm. and and i think just creating that harmony is probably the hardest thing um but um i would be remiss to say being a cio is a hard job um i've seen people do hard work and um this is probably one of the more enjoyable things you, you could do with your time um but but in terms of the difficulty of it and and um you know you can't deliver all the things that that um technologists get excited about if you yep. don't have people processing technology aligned and and uh, so mm. so so i think that uh is is probably the truth day in and day out yeah. ask me another yeah. day and the answer might be different though <laughs> i'll ask you tomorrow outside the podcast uh, so um you know when it comes to you've been in the industry for a long time, you know, when it comes to IT, obviously you started off and, and you're a certified ethical hacker. You've, you've done uh, security work, you've done CIO work. Um, you have all of this experience. What would you tell your future self, um, you know, of, of the next role or the next, you know, whatever that timeline looks like? Yeah, great, great question. And, and, and very deep. Um, you know, I think as it relates to kind of that, that, experience piece and, and just, you know, your clients and your customers. Um, but I think you could probably stretch this into technology as a whole. Um, I'll go back to when, when some of the state privacy laws came out, um, they really took care. Um, I'll mention Massachusetts specifically because we were operating um, in that state in the organization I was at the time. And Massachusetts um, went as far to say who your customers are and they delineated, you know, your customers are the people that consume your resources. Your customers are other businesses that, that you trade, you know, basically B2B relationships with. They're your own internal employees. And within the organization, you might have, you know, different customers as well. And I would say that 
one of the greatest things you can do is come in and really define as a group, whether it's a help desk, whether it's a network team, really define who your customers are. And you're never, if you don't know who they are, they're never going to have a great experience, right? It's, it sounds silly, but right. um, to me, having that enumeration and, and being sure that what you're delivering to one doesn't affect the other has been mm -hmm. very, very helpful. And um, so, you know, honestly, what I do, and, and sometimes it's as simple as, as keeping, um, you know, a visual diagram of this, but I like to make notes on how long it's been since I've talked to one or, or since we've gotten good mm -hmm. feedback from one. And um, it can help you maybe place your, your chips a little differently, um, you know, as you go about uh, your day or your week, um, check in with people, things like that. So to me, it's being very deliberate with every group. And, and you know, you can break that down to the individual, I guess, but figure out who your customers are, enumerate it, and, and really build that into, you know, kind of what your goals and, and um, objectives are for, for a given year. And um, I think if you do that, it, um, it's, it's impossible to succeed without doing that. And it gives you a really good chance to succeed if you do. Yeah, no, great point. You know, and at the same time, it's impossible to succeed without your customers. Uh, and um, so building that relationship is, is vital. Sometimes you kind of get through uh, and run through the motions and, and kind of have that tunnel vision and say, well, here's what my timeline is. Here's what my leadership is asking for. Here's what the, the board is asking for. So I need to get my head down and, and focus on this, this. But at the end of the day, it comes back to the customer. They're the ones that um, the, the company will write the check, but they receive the money from the customer. Uh, and well, so if you're not specifically spending time with these people um, and checking in on them. And, and so I love that scheduling time and actually saying, Hey, when's the last time I spoke with them? When's the last time they provided us feedback? When's the last time they, it was positive feedback. Um, so I, I love that. So um, at the end of every uh, podcast, I ask my guests two questions. And so uh, hold on to your chair. It's not nothing too crazy, but uh, the first question is uh, what book or person has influenced you the most in the past year? And the second question is if you could leave a note to all the customer service and customer experience professionals in the world, uh, because they're all going to listen to this podcast, uh, what would, <laughs> what would you say? Yeah. So, so the, the most influence, um, it's a little bit of a funny story. Um, I was at a, it was, I was at a Gartner conference. It was late in the day. My phone had died. I had no background to the talk I was going to, and I was just paging through a good old paper agenda. Um, and I sat down, uh, at, uh, evening keynote and, um, this guy came out and he was just very captivating right away, commanded the room. Um, and I just, right away started to speak to me directly and and I just really enjoyed hearing him speak and I thought well this is going to be my guy I'm going to go read his book if he has one and it's going to be my secret um found out uh, a little bit later that it was Clayton Christensen who um is <laughs> regularly voted the um top professor at Harvard Business School so my, my yeah. secret was not really just mine <laughs> but um here I had a chance to hear him talk about his jobs to be done theory and you know, it's something that doesn't usually creep into the, the minds of IT folks or, or at least um, what I call technical, um, you know, technical side of IT, but there's so much truth to jobs to be done. And, and it's simply, um, I, I wouldn't try to explain it here, but um, it's, he gives a great example in the book of, of trying to increase milkshake sales at McDonald's. And uh, they were hired by McDonald's to figure out why their shake sales were sporadic throughout the day. And they went and looked at the data and noticed that uh, a large number of shakes were sold between 7 and 9 a.m. And they went into the jobs to be done theory of why is someone hiring 
this product or why is someone hiring this milkshake? And yeah. it was simply to keep them alert at the wheel while driving to work. And they found that they were close to highways and some other things. So if you look at really why and, and what I think is interesting about jobs to be done is you can apply it to the smallest call to a help desk. You can apply it to, you know, a network upgrade. You could apply it to the selection of a product. You could apply it to a change in, you know, a large vendor or service provider. It's mm -hmm. really, why am I hiring this, this thing or this service or this product? And it places that focus in a very customer centric direction uh, by by asking the question he has some other great books but but to me jobs to be done is one of the quickest wins if you can understand um what he's you know how it works and how to ask the questions there's been lots of you know short uh you know brief uh, iterations of, of how to do it and um i think it's one of the most useful and it's one of the most adaptable so clayton christensen anything but uh jobs to be done um theory is is good and he's on a number of uh he delivered it uh, lots of other places. Um, I think uh, one of the, the more riveting was to Google employees at one of their uh, lunch uh, talks. So it's, uh, it's out there and, and uh, great information. Um, you know, the, the other um, question, the, the second question, and to me, and I know this happens to everybody a little bit, but it's, it's noticing when I have great experiences in the real world and when I go about my day and then really noticing when I have bad ones and, and asking whether or not I do that same behavior with my team or myself. Yeah. Um, it could be a cashier at a, you know, a retailer. It could be a, um, you know, one of my favorite moments was um, I, I had, um, we had a, a, a couple of very um, incredible retail uh, banking leaders come into the organization and, and um, I, we, we had a, a road trip uh, very early on in meeting them uh, with one of them. It was the first time I met him. Mm -hmm. And um, we just had a few conversations, but um, we were checking into a hotel and just, it was nothing terrible. I mean, no one was injured or anything, but it was just a, a very rough check-in process. And we were standing there seeing all these things that were happening. And I just, I, I knew I would get along well with him by observing and, and quietly you know, commenting. We saved our <laughs> chuckle for later. But um, I think the ability to see those things happen and see when somebody's not getting great service, turn that around and, and you know, reflexively look at your organization, your team, say, do I ever do that to somebody? I think that is very powerful. And, um, you know, we, we all interact with so many people in a, in a given day, maybe not in the last couple months, but it's um, something that, um, you know, is, is very useful. And um, you can uh, correct a lot of behaviors before maybe somebody calls you out on it. And uh, so I think that can be very, uh, very powerful. Yeah, that's, it's great. I, I, you know, one of the previous uh, podcast guests, his name is Roger Dooley. He wrote, wrote a book called Friction. He calls himself a friction hunter. He's like, how do I look at everyday life and see where there's friction and, and ways to eliminate it? Um, or at least significantly reduce it. So it sounds like exactly uh, where you're, you're right on track. Um, you know, how can my uh, listeners connect with you? Is there, is there a way that they can connect via LinkedIn or what's the best way to, to get a hold of EFA? They want to learn more. They want to uh, bring you on board and, and have you be the, the, the head of uh, um, Certified Ethical Hackers Association. Uh, what does that look like to you? <laughs> 
So as, a, as an information security professional early in my career, I, I steer clear of a lot of social media, but I, yep. I, do, uh, I do indulge in LinkedIn. I think it's a good blend of, you know, kind of practical uh, professional connection as well as social. And so LinkedIn is, is the place, in fact. That's awesome. Great. So um, it's Josh Anderson. It's exactly how it sounds. Um, Josh, thank you so much for your time. I, I really appreciate it. Nick, thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to spend some time with you today. You bet. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.